0: To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z ZIBBY20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal stripes sweater. Several dresses I even wore on Morning America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. com and definitely check out those shows as well. I hope you'll all check out the all-new Zibby Mag, Z-I-B-B-Y-M-A-G, the literary lifestyle destination with essays, book news, a lit lifestyle feature, and even some classes. Check it out, zibbymag.com. Josie Silver is the author of One Night on the Island, a novel. Josie is the unashamed romantic who met her husband when she stepped on his foot on his 21st birthday. She lives with him, their two young sons, and their cats in a little town in England called Wolverhampton. By the way, she is the number one New York Times bestselling author of One Day in December and The Two Lives of Lydia Bird. Welcome, Josie. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss One Night on This
2: Island. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's really exciting to be here. I apologize. I'm actually in my bedroom. I don't normally do this from my bedroom, but my office in the garden, the neighbors are having work and there's lots of banging. So I thought I'll come up here and hopefully it's going to be quiet. That's totally fine. I'm in my bedroom too, but nobody needs to know all of this. (laughs) You're right. Rewind.
1: Right? I'm in the corner. Nobody can see. It's fine. doesn't matter. I almost didn't even get out of my pajama pants, but I did. So anyway, so you are a number one New York Times bestselling author. You are a Reese's book club pick, and now you have a new book out. Before you talk about the new book, I want to know what it's like going from that to having to write another book once you've had such a massively successful experience and then being like, okay, now I'm just going to sit and face the blank page again. What is
2: that like? Oh my gosh. I mean, it was, I think the word is probably terrifying. <laughs> this is actually my second book since that one. So this one wasn't so bad, but I mean, that was just such a unexpected kind of roller coaster. from, you know, it hit the New York Times number one selling spot at Christmas, which was kind of like, all of my Christmases come at once. <laughs> it was just the most surreal and brilliant kind of experience, you know, for For my first Josie book as well. It wasn't actually my first book I've been writing for more than a decade, but it was my first Josie Silver book. And it was just phenomenal. And then to try and sit down afterwards and think, okay, what's next? It was difficult, but actually I feel so lucky to do this job anyway, because it's kind of my dream job. So... It was difficult, but you know, if someone's paying you to do it, you have to keep your butt in the seat and actually do the (laughs) job. Yeah. I mean, I just feel incredibly fortunate to be honest. Go back a second to
1: why different pen names, why different branding? How did you get started? All of that. Yeah.
2: I mean, I always wanted to write, but... The time was never kind of right in my life. You know, I took an office job that I didn't particularly like, but then, you know, how life happens. I got married, I had kids, and it was only when I was on maternity leave that I thought, I really don't want to go back to that job. You know, I'm going to give it a go. Entered some competitions, um, and I was lucky enough to place second in a Mills and Boone competition here, Harlequin. And that was sort of the springboard. I ended up not being published by them in the end, but that really did kind of give me the. I worked with an editor and it gave me a real taste and a, you know you, there was no going back once I kind of started. And then I self-published because it was 2012 and that was kind of just in its infancy. And so I was quite an early adopter with that, and that went really well. and that was more sort of it was romance, but it was hot romance, it was around the 50 shades kind of time, and you know but that was kind of what was was being picked up. So I went into that direction under one under one pseudonym. And then more towards romantic comedy, writing for HarperCollins under the pseudonym Cat French, which did fine and it, you know, bubbled along okay. And then when it came to writing One Day in December, it's just a slight shift more towards serious women's fiction. So it felt like a good time for a bit of a rebrand and just to refresh everything. And I moved from HarperCollins to Penguin. So it was a good point really to kind of press the reset button. And it went far better than even I expected it to and certainly better than the publisher expected it to and you know it just everything kind of it was like the stars aligned so it was like a 10-year amble up to the New York Times it wasn't (laughs) um, you know it can look on the outside kind of as a debut and as a you know an instant thing and you know how fortunate would that be but it really was kind of building up to that point for the decade before wow okay so
1: then and then you wrote One Day in December then the next book that was the Lydia no Lydia Bird that's right Lydia Bird book okay
2: which was very different again more more kind of entrenched in grief and recovery so so then you know it was kind of such a flip around to write that kind of book from writing a hopeful book with One Day in December to becoming far more it's a deeper book, Lydia Bird, Um, and it was harder to write by far. You know, with the balancing of the two parallel universes, and it was quite a test to write that one.
1: Had you been going through grief in your own life? Is that what made you go in that I, direction?
2: I'm very fortunate that, that the answer to that is no. Um, I, I was lucky to have quite a lot of um, input from people on forums. You know, I made a lot of friends in 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 that kind of area that had been through difficult stuff and they were really kind and opened up and shared their experiences and the thing that kind of stood out to me was that everyone's journey is different mm-hmm. so you know how one person will react he's absolutely different to, and, and everybody's journey is okay so moving from that book then to this book now one night on the island which is kind of a return to the more hopeful upbeat vibe of um, One Day in December. It's nice actually to have gone back to that kind of balance of romantic comedy.
1: And now, this is a long way to get to this question, but why don't you tell audiences what that book is about?
2: (laughs) Uh, One Night on the Island. Okay. Well, that book is about a girl called Cleo who's turning 30 and she's kind of at crisis point. She's reached this, she's a dating journalist, but she's really jaded and her boss sends her away to an island, an Irish island called Salvation Island. And her mission is to marry herself. That's what she goes for, which kind of sounds comedic. Um, and it is in, in one sense, but in another way, it's kind of she's discovering, she, she needs to kind of strip, strip back down and discover who she is and what makes her tick and what she's really looking for because she's kind of got into this rut of thinking that she's half a person looking for her other half. And what she really needs to kind of embrace is that she's already whole and that she's on her own, you know, single doesn't necessarily mean lonely. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of self-empowerment, really, and self-discovery. And she goes away to this remote Irish island, to this little cabin, um, to do this. And when she gets there, she discovers that someone else has already gone there to do exactly that, to be alone, Um, who is Mac, who is this tall, handsome, very grumpy American photographer who's kind of at an emotional crunch point in his life too, but for very different reasons. So he's, you know, he's just come off the back of a, a marriage that he considered to be happy, but he's discovered that his wife wasn't happy and they've separated. And he has two little boys who he is absolutely, they're his world, And he's trying to navigate how to be a father without living in the same house. Um, And and he has his own issues. Fatherhood's a massive issue for him anyway because his own relationship with his dad is so complicated. So he's kind of in a really, he's at the bottom, you know, he's really in a difficult position. And he's gone there to kind of take a breath, be alone. And the last thing he wants is a roommate. Um, But they find themselves... Stuck together in this lonely place, and they've both gone to be alone. And the last thing they want is romance, but you know, life happens, doesn't it? And romance kind of finds its way between the cracks if it's going to be there. And and it's they were such a fun couple to write because they're so sparky and so different. Um, I don't know if you, I mean you know the old movie the old parent trap movie is it parent yes, trap isn't yeah. it I love the relationship between the parents in that and they were kind of in the back of my head when I was writing this book you know that that funny sparky charismatic kind of relationship so yes yeah, so that's kind of the the basics of it but then it's set on salvation island which is my dream island basically <laughs> I looked, obviously it was written during the pandemic, so I couldn't go and visit the, you know, the remote Irish islands. So I spent lots of time researching and reading and vid- watching videos and all that stuff and kind of cherry picked all the bits of other islands and created this perfect small island with this eccentric cast of, um, of characters that form the perfect backdrop really for Cleo and Mac to get to know each other and to, to find what they need. Amazing. I
1: actually listened to part of this on audiobook, which was very, I love the, the accents and the whole thing. And it's like so immersive to uh, get into this world. Uh, And I also kind of love, I'm 45, but the idea that like, I remember turning 30 and that felt sort of like the end of the world to me at that time. And then, turning 40 felt the same way. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, turning 50. So I feel like she's in that moment where it's like, you just can't believe you're about to hit the next decade. And oh my gosh, is it over? What, what next?
2: You know, that's exactly the position I'm in personally now. I've just turned 50 and I'm like, oh my God, what's has happened? How have I reached this number? <laughs> you know, and, and it just, it, 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 I mean, it shouldn't matter, but it just kind of does, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, you just, It feels a bit seismic. And I think that's the position that she finds herself in is this, you know, she needs to shake everything up and then see which bits matter and which bits don't. Yeah.
1: Well, I feel like after you graduate from school, there aren't as many milestones. You know, it used to just be all about getting to the next grade. And then, and that was like a way to mark time. But when you're just sort of living, I either mark it by my own kids' ages or big milestone ages for me. And then all of a sudden you're like, Wow.
2: Okay. <laughs> it's so. a double, whammy, a double whammy here. I turned fifty just a few weeks ago, and my son turned eighteen. So it's kind of he's at the other end of his journey, and I'm like, oh gosh, you know. So, but being a parent, I think, informs so much of of well, definitely of my writing. You know, and, and parenthood is a, a big theme of the book. I mean, I've got two boys as well, so I guess that kind of came easy. Yeah. yeah. How old are your boys? Eighteen and what? 18 and coming 16 so yeah <laughs> I mean every age is difficult isn't it you know for different reasons but this age it's just the you know letting go a little bit age and that's kind of difficult you know the taking I mean my, my eldest is going on his first holiday with his friends in a few weeks and I'm like oh my god how am I gonna cope? <laughs> It informs your writing I think doesn't it all those feelings kind of come out on the page and
1: I have um I have two 15-year-old twins, a boy and a girl. And then I have two two little guys, nine and seven. But with my older son, it's like, he'll be like, all right, I'm going out, right? Like he'll leave the place and I'll be, you know, I'm like, well, check in. And I know it's just the beginning of all of it. But when you see somebody, you, I don't know, this sounds ridiculous, I know. And so obvious, but just like that, if like I was just 15, two seconds ago, and now he's 15 and going out and doing all these things, what does that say about me? You know, like, what, where is my life? (laughs) It's it's like, it's his turn now, right? It's their turn. And I kind of assumed that my parents' life was like, whatever. By the like, it was all about me growing up, right? They were like, if you're at that age, forget it.
2: And now that I'm that age, I'm like, (laughs) oh man. So absolutely, I I find it so difficult, but I think especially having been through the pandemic, because, you know, we've had two years of being kind of locked in forced proximity, haven't we? Where we've all you know, not had to worry about them going out and doing stuff. So my eldest in particular kind of went from being 16 and not doing anything to now 18 and wanting the world. And there was none of that little letting out, you know, bit by bit. is just gone yep. from being being a little boy to suddenly being a, a trainee man and wanting to do everything and, and wanting us to back off. And that's just, it's it's life, isn't it? But it's just so, so difficult. So, yeah, I'm finding... A glass of wine is really helping at the end of
0: the day at the minute. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a MoonPig card. Get 50% off your first card at MoonPig.com. MoonPig.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Uh, do
1: you do you feel like the writing helps? Like
2: do you feel like oh. it uh, Yeah, absolutely. It's my escape. Absolutely. I when I, mean, I had a, a garden office built just before the pandemic actually, so I was quite fortunate that I had that put in before anything happened so I got a sanctuary down there because this house you know it's noisy and it's all boys and so I kind of go down the garden shut the door and it's like okay this is my space and you know it it just is a sanctuary I think and I just you know I absolutely love I mean I love writing anyway I I can't believe I actually get paid to do it (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, I mean, it all goes in, doesn't it? Everything that happens around you kind of comes out on the page in some way. It was the same with the pandemic. You know, my idea with writing One Night on the Island, I didn't want to mention the pandemic. I didn't want to, it to come onto the page at all. But it kind of still does. It Subconsciously through the forced proximity and not being able to get away from each other, the pandemic definitely informed the story.
1: Yeah, they're like abandoned, alone. Yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> and like out, it's like out of your control, like they're there for a set period of time, you know, it's like
2: the weather is against them and the boat is, they just cannot escape the island. So they're kind of stuck.
1: Yeah. Just what happens when life goes one way and suddenly from one minute to the next, it's very, very different and you can't do much about it. I feel like there's that, there's that same vibe, right? It's just like this way. And now like whisking out of the editorial rooms or whatever of magazine and like just being or a wellness site or whatever it was. And then, then just being like in nature and like, what does it even mean to marry yourself? And you know, all this stuff. But uh, I, I feel like there was so much, not pressure, but advice to getting through these hard times of like self-care and, doing this and ultimately i don't know if it's effective or not but then the pressure to do that adds on to everything else right the pressure for self care do you know I, do you know what i mean or maybe yeah. it's a
2: it you know it's all well and good isn't it but sometimes i think it's too much isn't it and some some people's idea of self care is others idea you know of hell isn't it you know some people yeah. just don't want to do that quiet calm thing some people need that noise and that energy you know, and everybody has to kind of find their own way. And I think that is very much the theme of the book. It's about finding what works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
1: I love that you have been into writing romantic comedies or romances forever. And I loved the picture that you posted of the cassette tape because I still have some of my old tapes. I used to listen to like men are from Mars, women are from Venus on tapes, like in my car commuting to work. And I would put in the cassette and like listen to it back and forth. But that's amazing that you A did that and B saved the tapes.
2: Do you know what? It's one of my most precious possessions now. I absolutely, I'm so glad. That, that I did because it kind of for me validates me do you know what I mean it, I did want to do it when I was 14 and I might be 50 now <laughs> but you know it's been the running theme of my whole life really is wanting to do to do what I, I do now and I you know I don't take it for granted at all Yeah, you know, I was so I was having my first well my my eldest is 18 so my youngest is 16 so it's been 15 years I've been writing kind of so, so I was I was 34, 35 when I started. And you know, I just sometimes think, gosh, I wish I'd started when I was when I intended to do it, do you know what I mean? When I was younger, but I think things kind of, you know, life just is life, isn't it? And I, I don't think I was ready, perhaps when I was younger. And, you know, I think if anything, you just gotta you just gotta do it, haven't you? And I wish I had done it earlier, but I'm just glad I did it at all.
1: Well, maybe maybe it wouldn't have been as good. I mean, you can have the skills, but until you have the experience, it's yeah. almost like being a chef and you have like amazing knife skills, but if you're only practicing on like I don't know a cucumber, you're not going to make the best meal.
2: <laughs> you're absolutely right. I think bringing more life experience to the table definitely helps, kind of with depth, you know, and with just you know, you you have to have your heart broken, I think, to write about it convincingly, don't you? And I've definitely had mine broken a few times. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was going to, I was wondering, you know, why do you know why you've been so drawn to romance your whole life? Like, do do you know where that came from?
2: I think it came, I mean, my, my mom is a massive reader of romance. My my nan was a massive reader of romance. You know, I've got it memories of, of as a little girl, you know, she had her stack of mills and boons next to the television and she'd change them every week at the library and I'd go with her and you know, it's been like a running theme through Mm -hmm. my life, but I just, I just, you know, I'm always drawn to it anyway. I'm drawn to it in in movies and I'm drawn to it in books. It kind of just is my thing. I'm just, you know, I've tried to do other things and I can't, I can't write dark, thrillery stuff. I had a go and it was just, it just wasn't working for me. I think I just, I just love romance and I love love and it just is about human connection, isn't it? And I think It's just fascinating. So yeah, I I can't imagine that I would ever write anything else. Well, I know that
1: I I feel like it's the same with with styles of writing. Like I feel like I've experimented with so many styles, and I'm like, ooh, maybe I should write this like as like a first, like present tense literary novel. Like I am in the dark room and I am doing (laughs) that. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, I can do that, but it's just not very good. You know, that's just not who that's not like my voice. That's not what I'm, I'm into. So I think it takes some confidence or time or maybe reader feedback to realize that like, maybe what you like doing the most is actually the thing that people might like reading the most.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think I I certainly prefer writing in first person now. I used to write mostly in third, but first it's so immediate, isn't it? And so kind of in there and immersive. And I think I prefer to read first as well now. I
1: love first person. I think that's why I like reading memoirs so much. You know, like I just, I want to hear someone's story. I want someone to tell me a story. Maybe it all goes back to bedtime. It's like bedtime. uh as a kid or something but in terms of your process how do you approach books like do you know do you have an outline do you know what's going to happen with all of your characters when you set
2: out I would love to say yes but the answer is a scary no I usually have the beginning in my head and I know roughly where I want them to end and perhaps a couple of the kind of pivotal scenes that I know I'm going to include somewhere along the way but then after that it's very much a case of getting to know them on the job. So, you know, you sit down and write and they they say things and they do things and you think, oh, okay, that's the kind of person you're going to be. And I find it a really terrifying way to work, but I've tried plotting, you know, and I find it kind of deadens the story for me. Mm-hmm. So I have to kind of write it as as it goes and I write linear, you know, start to finish rather than dotting around and try and write it quickly. So you know, I would try, I'd rather write five or 6,000 words a day and stay in the book rather than write here and there and have breaks. If I have breaks, it kind of leaves me. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather sit down for, you know, as many weeks as it takes and just stay in the book and feed everyone cornflakes three meals a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they kind of get it now and that it's chaotic on the outside to look in, but it, it's just my process and I've embraced it rather than try and fight it. Yeah, I usually have three months of chaos while I'm writing and then the rest of the year is, you know, the the tidying up and the editing and all of that jazz that makes it sparkle. If you could change something
1: about the publishing industry,
2: what would oh, it be? Gosh, oh, God, I don't know. I think perhaps to take romance more seriously, you know, and to take women writers more seriously in the industry and to, you know, romance is kind of the biggest selling genre and the most looked down on, so i think if anything it would just be to respect the romance genre more it's true i
1: mean that is our basic human instinct is love connection it is how our species survives literally so there is some like evolutionary pull to this hearing the stories right and there's something very soul-fulfilling about going through someone's love story and going through
2: the motions and learning from that yeah it's absolutely it isn't it it's 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 humanity isn't it and it's it's the basic connections but it's and it's family isn't it and I love writing about sisters and you know relationships with family and how they kind of all interact and the emotional inheritance I think is a lot of the theme that I kind of harped back to with this book was particularly with Mac and his children you know about how Mac's experiences had informed his his life as a father and and I think that's what's fascinating with people isn't it you know the whole how everything that's happened to us kind of makes us who we are and Mm. how that impacts our children and and the people that we love and yeah I just I think human connection is is the thing that kind of pulls me back constantly to to writing love stories
1: ironic too that to write them you have to withdraw from all human connection to do so
2: (laughs) (laughs) speak to me no one speak to me (laughs) You kind of get to the point, don't you, where your characters are, your everything and everything that's going on in their life is massive and what's happening in your life is kind of secondary. Yeah. Uh, but but that's the fun of the job, isn't it? I wouldn't change it.
1: Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Thanks for the chat and the books and everything. And I wish you all the best. And I hope that your son comes wow. home early.
2: <laughs> Me too. Thank you. And congratulations on your success too. You know, it's wonderful to hear. So yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to reading your book.
1: Okay. All right. Thanks so much. Okay. bye Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.